This is Deep Dives, a weekly podcast that jumps headfirst into topics with newsmakers, experts, and thought leaders. I'm your host, Matt Samuels. This week, we're plunging into songwriting. Taking the leap with us is musician Sam Hendricks. Hendricks is a songwriter, producer, and drummer whose band Charlie Bliss has spent the last six years writing and releasing multiple full-length albums, as well as touring extensively throughout North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Here's a clip from Charlie Bliss's hit song, Capacity. We'll be back afterwards. I used to think that I should be good at everything. back on deep dives that was a clip of capacity by charlie bliss and joining us right now is their drummer sam hendrix good thanks for having me it is my pleasure i'm glad that we were able to find the time and and have you on the show so you you've been in music for a long time i know you've been you play a variety of instruments and and you've been performing for for a number of years um you know, obviously the drummer uh the drumming is 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 what you do as part of the band but talk a little bit about your you know your background in music and how how you got started yeah um you probably remember from elementary school and middle school uh you know but but i was in i was always in concert band and orchestra and all that stuff and um you know fast forwarding a lot i i went to college for music performance in ohio and that was definitely a mostly like a classical uh, music program. And, you know, I remember like at the time when I was applying for college, I didn't really think about like, is this really what I want to do? <laughs> Which just sounds really stupid, but <laughs> I think it was more like, this is just what I have been doing for so long. Like, why not continue? And, um, you know, in college, I, I still really liked playing in the orchestra and all that stuff. But what I kind of realized was that it was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I had met some people in my dorm that, you know, had had bands in high school and stuff like that. And I never really had that, um, you know, growing up. So we started like listening to music together and then we started playing together and stuff. And we kind of formed a band that would play locally. And I realized like, this is like really fun. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and we started writing songs together and stuff like that. And I had never really written before. Um, 
and you know i'll admit like the songs we wrote were pretty rough uh I remember when I asked my my sister, who's in Charlie Bliss, I remember I asked her what our band sounded like uh, to her. She said, you sound like the band Creed mixed with Avenged Sevenfold, Ooh. which is like, I remember just like, it was like a punch <laughs> to the gut. I was like, oh my God, that's what you think of us. And then listening back, I'm like, that's exactly what we sounded like. We were terrible. Uh, oh God. But, hey. you know, for me, it was like a big revelation. I was like, I knew that I always wanted to pursue something in music. And just from performing, you know, around my college town and stuff like that. And, and, you know, we booked some little tours here and there during spring break and whatever. I was like, this is, this is something I could definitely see myself doing. Um, and yeah, it has led me here now, which is kind of crazy to think about. But. So was there a moment along the way where you can remember that you said, you know, I think I'm good enough. To, to do this as my profession um was there you know was there was there did that did that you know was it a moment or was it a conversation or just by starting the band where you said you know what this is this is what i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna go pro i'm this is what i want yeah do. i mean you know thinking back so you know we had, I had this band in college and then i was graduating and it was kind of like what what now moment and we had met this guy we, my band actually we we moved to chicago one summer and we were out there recording and stuff like that and we met this guy who was um a singer who needed a band and at the time uh we were kind of having we we realized that like our band wasn't working and you know a creed meets event sevenfold how would that not work i don't understand still to this day but it didn't work and um so we were kind of like a band without a singer he was a singer without a band and we we really liked him and we liked his music and stuff like that. And we toured with him on his album for a while. And then after this like really lengthy tour where we, you know, it was like eight weeks or something totally self booked where we were sleeping in the van and roughing it so hard. We went up to the bass player had a, like a, a family cabin or something in Wisconsin. And we tried to write an album there. And that was really my first real aside from like in college where we were like writing stuff and it was just like, eh, this is, I don't know if this is good or bad, whatever. Like that was my first real um, attempt at like writing songs myself from scratch. Um, and I ended up being like really proud of a lot of the stuff that was coming out. And I was like, Whoa, I mean, you know, I was always really into drumming and stuff like that and performing, but that's when my, my love of writing really kind of started. Right. Um, and again, it's like, you, you know, at the time when you write stuff that you're like, oh, like, I think this is really good. And then you look back and it's kind of silly and whatever. But still, I would say that was the moment for me where I realized, mm. like, maybe I could do this. Like, I think these songs are kind of OK, <laughs> you know. So it, it seems so you had it seemed like you had the ability to write and you had the direction you wanted to go. But at that time, you didn't have the right you know, right. the right band. You didn't have the right, the right formation in place to effectively, um, you know, produce the, the, the songs that you wanted to do. So is that at that point, that's what led you to, to form Charlie? Yeah, Bliss? essentially. So um, Charlie Bliss formed in a really funny way, because basically after, after the band I was just talking about, you know, we recorded stuff and, once again, it kind of became apparent that it wasn't really working. Um, 
I was at home back in Connecticut where I'm from. And um, my sister was getting ready to apply to NYU into a program that was specifically geared towards, um, you know, songwriters and, you know, people who wanted to be music producers and stuff like that and engineers. And she needed to record, um, she needed some recordings for that to apply basically. Um, so she had written a bunch of songs and booked a studio in Stanford, Connecticut. And I was home and she was like, would you drum on it and help me out and stuff? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, my, my band's kind of like in flux. We're trying to figure stuff out right now. So yeah, for sure. And so we, we recorded these songs and they were really great. Um, they, you know, I'll talk more about it in a little bit, but um, we recorded them. You know, I, I kind of like helped massage the songwriting a little bit here and there. And that was kind of it. And at the time, this uh, the current guitar player of Charlie Bliss, Spencer, he also recorded on it. And Kevin, who played bass, who's no longer in the band, he recorded on it as well. And I had never met them before, but Eva and Kevin and Spencer were friends for a long time. And because they're, they're like four or five years younger than me. Um, so didn't really think anything of it. I was like, this is really cool. And Eva has some great songs to show, you know, and hopefully she gets into NYU and stuff. But then the owner of the, the recording studio listened, I guess, and really loved it and kind of want to take us under his wing and, you know, just help us become like a band, which is so funny. Cause again, like we had no intention of starting a band. This was just like, I'm going to help my sister out kind of thing. And then whatever. Yeah. And so we started like, he would like book rehearsal spaces for us and we would play around Connecticut, these really small venues. And it, it was funny. He was like an older guy and, you know, he, he was really trying to, to help us out and stuff. And um, we were writing songs that were like, that you would hear on like a Starbucks, like compilation of like, huh. You know, like there was like a banjo in one of the songs and there was like, you know, the, all the songs kind of like a chug a lug, like like acoustic -y feel. It was really funny. And like we kind of came to this revelation at a certain point where we we're like, none of us listen to this type of music. Why are we making this? It's like it was so funny. Um, you know, what we like is like guitar, like electric guitar driven, like catchy songs. And that's just like so far from what we're doing. So let's try to write some stuff all together mm. and see what happens. And it really tied the four of us. And it was, again, it was Kevin at the time. He's not in the band, but tied the four of us together and really made us feel like um, it was our own thing. Mm. And meanwhile, the guy who was kind of like pseudo managing our band, like did not like the songs we were writing and didn't want us to do it. And I think that almost also kind of like, bonded us even more because we kind of we really liked what we were doing and he wasn't into it so we kind of had this like common enemy mm -hmm. factor and not enemy because he was he, he meant well but like you know what I mean that does kind of bond people um that had never really played before together having this kind of whatever unity um and yeah I mean a ton of growing pains later and a lot mm -hmm. of figuring stuff out and you know here we are but that was back in 2011 2012 so it's a okay. long time and, and what's so interesting i mean you it's a it's a family affair yet you almost it, it you know you would have you would have interpreted that okay you and your sister had been 
thinking about doing this for years and it was kind of, you know, she's a singer, you're a drummer, it's kind of a no brainer, but it almost, it almost happened by accident. It, it seems completely. Like, which is yeah. fascinating. I mean, you know, growing up, like our parents were super lucky because they're, they've always been incredibly supportive um, of us, especially with the band and, you know, um, but it would just have given them way too much satisfaction for us to have done this to like any earlier. And so I think there was a factor where we were like, <laughs> this obviously makes sense, you know, like to do, like we should do this. However, like, oh, they just want it so badly. Like we cannot give them the satisfaction. So I think like because of how it started, like that was like the only way it could work. And so obviously super glad it did. Um, but that you're, yeah, you're totally right. Totally right. It's just something we never really considered until it just happened by accident, you know? So, so with, with Charlie Bliss, I mean, I guess the same kind of question as before, but, you know, I mean, it's such a unique sound. I mean, the, the, your sister has such an incredible voice and it's so different, which I think is, you know, for you as a songwriter has to be um, an incredible gift, but was there a moment when you're with Charlie Bliss where things, cause you know, I know you, you know, as a, as a musician in a band, obviously you jump around and you have to get things just kind of have to align to a certain extent. Was there a, a, an album or a song or a moment where you said, okay, you know, now the pieces are in place We we, you know, I have, I have the team. Um, you know, I'm, and, and you could, you know, effectively write, you know, write the music. Yeah. I mean, so it, I would say, you know, honestly, so like from 2011 to 2000, I want to say like 15, 16, we were still like really figuring stuff out. You know, we were playing in New York city yeah. and stuff like that. Um, trying to book shows. We booked like a West coast tour. Like Eva booked it, you know, herself and, and played some cool shows and stuff like that. But it was like, we were really trying to figure out our sound and stuff like that. Um, then we recorded these three songs um, and we called it, it's called the soft serve EP. Um, and that was really crucial in establishing like our identity as a band. And it was very much like a nineties kind of like grunge pop revival kind of vibe, you know, like, um, we early Weezer or the Pixies and stuff like that. Like a lot of those kind of sounds and whatever. Um, and that was definitely really key. And that was, we still had our old bass player there. Um, but once we kind of had that out into the world, like it was funny cause we released it and, you know, paid for press and stuff like that. And we were still like, no one knew who we were and like nothing happened, like literally nothing. And we were like, uh, okay, like we didn't really expect anything, but we expected like something, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we were put all the money. Nothing. And like six months go by and all of a sudden we get, and we were playing really small clubs and we got, I remember we got an email from someone who was a booker at Mercury, Mercury Lounge, which is like, you know, like a, a, not a huge venue or anything like that, but was a venue that like was one of our target goal venues to play. Like you get there, you kind of get into like the, the New York city rotation of like real music venues. Um, and he really liked us. And then he referred us to his friend who wanted to help us, man you know, help manage us and stuff like that. And all of a sudden people started coming out of the woodwork. Hey, I heard this, I heard this. And we were like, Oh, like maybe we are kind of like, you know, we've done something that's a little cool here. Um, and, you know, fast forwarding a little, fast forwarding a little bit, like, 
um, we ended up writing a bunch of songs and wanted to record an album. And that's when Kevin was kind of realizing he wanted to do something different. And um, our current bass player, Dan, who's a great guy and just a great bass player and musician all around, he joined. And that's that's when it really felt like this is the unit. Mm. And I think that was, oh man, again, I have a terrible memory with like uh, when we released stuff. I think that was 2017. Hey. Yeah, 2017. Um, was when we released Guppy, our first full-length album. It only took us uh, right. six or seven years to write one album. So, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's like uh, the Sistine exactly. Chapel. It's, right? There's a I lot mean, of parallels there for sure. It 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 took uh, it, it took it took uh, Michelangelo. It took him a few years. People are still it, debating so. what is the more <laughs> impressive piece of art, uh, Guppy by Charlie Brooks or the Sistine Chapel. It's a it's an age-old debate, you know. Um, the, the, the debate continues. The debate continues. So, uh, you guys around 2017, there. I mean, you get you get invited to play some pretty serious mm-hmm. venues. Um, you know, I know you 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 spent some time on tour playing playing. You know, in front of thousands and thousands of people. What's that like for you? I mean, I know. You know, you you're you know you obviously you've been performing for a long time, but but you know mostly on a smaller scale. Uh, what's it like? All of a sudden now you have this notoriety, and you know you're drumming in front of you know five, ten, fifteen thousand. Yeah, people. it's crazy. I mean, it's it's wild. Um, I you know when we were first starting, we were like begging our friends to come like please like they they need they they're telling us like we have to bring 15 people or else we're not going to play like i'm sure i begged you on like numerous occasions <laughs> like i definitely did and you came thank you um but yeah I, I, that's that's what that's what good people do <laughs> um yeah so like you know it's always been mind-blowing uh to play in front of a hundred people was mind-blowing and and I think because for so long we were like just really just trying to like make this thing happen and playing to, I mean, we played a show and we played a show when we were in the process of like releasing Guppy, which is 2017, uh, maybe it was a little earlier, probably 2016 in Philadelphia, which is like an hour and a half from New York City. You know, you figure we'd have some sort of base there um, where there was one person that came and it was the guy who recorded our album. And even like the sound guy left and like like went to the bar area during the show. It's crazy. Like, guy got a he got a he got a private right, exactly, show. Lucky exactly. guy. And then, you know, after we released the album, yeah, things really changed, and and we were super lucky. Some really cool bands took us out on tour. Like, you know, Veruca Salt was the first. There were you know there were a band from the '90s that you know were coming back and putting out an album for the first time in 15 years, however long it was, and they I you know. I don't know why they took us out, but that was huge for us. That was the first real like, wow, we're playing big shows, you know, um, and big venues. And it was a crazy feeling. And their audience was so receptive because they, you know, again, like early, earlier on, we were definitely like very 90s inspired. And a lot of their fans obviously loved them from the 90s and stuff like that. So it was a really great match. And that really laid the foundation for our live, you know, our draw live um, from shows and stuff like that. Mm. But, and since then, I mean, have just been so lucky to play, I mean, some incredible bands like Death Cab for Cutie and um, Churches and Bleachers and Wolf Parade and some just incredible, incredible bands and stuff like that. And so 
we've been super lucky. It's been awesome. Um, and just, yeah, uh, the feeling of playing live, especially when people, not only are there a lot of people there, like they know your songs. Like it's, it, it has not ceased to blow my mind to like look out and watch people screaming along words. It's like, it's bonkers. Cause I think to us, we're still that band that was begging our friends to come, you know, to watch us play at like two in the morning at some 30 capacity venue. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and it, what's amazing is it seemed like Charlie Bliss made the, that turn at like a hundred miles per hour from, like you said, you know, friends mm -hmm. and family, we need, we need 15 people to, I mean, what would you credit that to? Is it, is it the power of obviously good songwriting and, but your it seemed like your, your ability to get, you know, get them, get the songs out there, whether it be through, you know, social media or through YouTube or, or whatnot, you were able to, you know, reach this whole new audience that, you know, was, was kind of unthinkable before. I mean, you're, like, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're, you have fans across the country mm -hmm. now all over the Yeah. Place. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, before the pandemic, we were right before we just played in Singapore and Australia and Europe and, mm. and it's been, it was wild. We were all over, all over the place, but um, yeah, I think like, I can definitely attribute, I think, again, like that Veruca Salt tour back in 2015 was the, mm. was laid the foundation for sure. Um, then, yeah, we've been really lucky to get like some really great write-ups from, from, you know, publications that we really wanted to get early on and couldn't get. And then finally kind of came around and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the funny thing is like, you know, like there's some really great music blogs that write about you and it's awesome and stuff like that for like, for like our parents say, and, uh, and, and their friends and stuff like that. Like the band was always something that was like, Oh, you know, Sam's in a band. That's so cool. Like, do you write your own songs? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, Oh my God, what do you think we are? Like a Led Zeppelin cover band? Like, come, this is real. Like we're real, but it's always, <laughs> like, it never mattered. No matter what, it never mattered until we got like our first Rolling Stone write up. And then it was like, Oh, you know, yes, like right. you are okay. Wow, Rolling Stone, I know what that is. <laughs> You're like, thank you. I've been saying this for years. Like, this is real. It's not like some <laughs> hobby. Like, I'm trying, you know. Um, but right, right. No, it becomes it be when when a Rolling Stone says you're for real, mm -hmm. you put the stamp on it. And that that that's you know validating. Uh, your 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 status i mean um not that you you needed it but um that's that's yeah it's it's that's pretty cool it's a, yeah like you said yeah it's, it's just kind of like it's a little bit uh sad it's just satisfying to be like thank you thank you but um yeah i think just it's been it's you know it did kind of happen overnight in a way but it's also been kind of a slow burn from the start and you know I, st I think honestly, you know, we released our latest album, I think in 2019. Um, and that was really huge. You know, not only, I wouldn't say that like the number of fans like blew up or anything like that, but just like who we started reaching, like we started reaching a lot of younger people mm -hmm. with our last album and, and a way more diverse audience, which is like the coolest thing ever. We started noticing at shows, you know, because our first, real break happened with like a band from the 90s it was a lot of 
older people and a lot of, you know, and, and that's great too. That's totally great. Um, but then with this last album we released, we really noticed like a lot more diversity in the crowd. And that was the coolest thing, I think. Um, so it's been, you know, and I still think we're figuring it out a total, like trying to pinpoint exactly the band we want to be. I still think we're going through that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's always kind of like a slow burn figuring out how can we, you know, just keep improving and hope our fans want to, you know, mm -hmm. stick along for the ride, you know? I think that's, I mean, in any, any artistic endeavor, whether it's painting or, or being a musician or being a photographer or being a, um, you know, and anything that involves being creative, you're always every mm -hmm. day, right? I mean, you're trying to figure out how can I, how can I improve? How can I get better? How can I, Evolve. you know, um, better myself and better, yeah, better the, the product yeah, that, I'm, exactly. that I'm creating. So um it makes it makes a lot of sense so i want to i want to dive into songwriting because you know that's that's really what it's all about like you said i mean if if you didn't write the songs you'd be a you know you'd be a cover band playing <laughs> thursday nights at, you know, and hey no no forever. shame you know? i mean so, that's you know that sounds like no pretty great to me but <laughs> no shame but 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 right the ability to write your own music is what you know, sets has the ability to set you apart from everyone else because, I mean, you think about all the all the greatest bands and all the greatest musicians. Um, you know, the the one common theme pretty much amongst them is that you know, for the most part, they wrote mm -hmm. they wrote their own music. Um, so for you, I wanna I wanna take capacity, which you know we played a clip for. Uh, by the way, two hundred sixty thousand views on YouTube for capacity for the music I, video. I, I don't know if you know knew that, that before, but for this. But yeah. I thought the cash oh, register just, going oh, you would not believe you? it's 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 a yeah. hundred dollars per stream, I think. But we haven't seen wow. it. I'll I'll watch <laughs> it I'll watch no. it a hundred times tonight for you. So so we're gonna talk about capacity, which um is an awesome song and a really cool uh music video to go go along with it. So let's so for capacity, where does the when when you when you go to write a song, or where do you start? Is it uh, do you have an idea of I want to lead to this type of music to this these type of lyrics, or do you basically just start? You know, if you take capacity as an example from scratch, where does where does the process so lead off? On the record that that is from called Young Enough. Um, my sister and I were the primary songwriters and we both have tremendously different writing styles. Um, first of all, Eva writes all the lyrics in the band. Um, so when she starts with the song, it's usually um, like there's lyrics, there's melodies, and it might be 30 seconds long. It might be a full song. Um, and then we kind of go in and, and try to massage and see if, you know, anything needs work or anything needs restructuring and stuff like that. And I kind of, step into more of like an arrangement role there. And when I'm writing, honestly, I never really sit down at, you know, with a guitar or piano and think, okay, I want to write a song. What should I, you know, whatever. It always comes from somewhere first. It's like something just pops into my head and usually at like a really inconvenient time, uh, like I'll be in the shower or I'll be like just about to fall asleep. 
and I'll think like, should I, like, is this worth remembering? Should I like, go jump out of the shower and like grab my phone soaking wet and record this thing? Or should I like, if I get out of bed right now, I know I won't be able to fall asleep, <laughs> but is this worth it? You know? And, and I'll check the voice memo in the hey. morning and it'll either be total nonsense. Like, why did I do that? Or it'll be something I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. And then from there, I kind of try to like, you know, expand upon it and build a song with melody and structure and stuff like that. And then, come to Eva and have her adjust stuff or write lyrics or whatever it is. But Capacity is a really unique song in our songwriting history because, so it started with Eva and she had this voice memo, not a voice, but she recorded like on GarageBand, a really simple demo that had, it was very different from the song that is out in the world right now. It, it had the, the hook, the I'm at Capacity and it had a lot of stuff around it that we were like kind of unsure about, but we kind of knew that like the hook was strong and that there was something there. And I mean, I, I actually went, I, I took a deep dive of my own into my own, my emails and found all the demos that we were sending back and forth for this song. And it's crazy how many iterations there were until we kind of found the right combination. Um, so she sent that around and, you know, we all heard potential and we kind of like were, it was like a little intimidating because it was way different. It was the first song that we shared after our album Guppy, which was very, a very cohesive guitar rock album, pop, you know, album. And it was the first song that, you know, any of us had shared that was clearly different, you know? And so it was a little intimidating. It was a little scary and, for a while, we would work on it in the practice space for 15 minutes and then be like, you know, we don't want to get frustrated. So let's just kind of come back to it, whatever. And it it took a ton of turns and stuff like that. But um, I remember I have and again, I, I listened, but, you know, I kind of tried to like rework it a little bit and it didn't work. And then Spencer took a stab at it and it like kind of worked, but it didn't really work. But from it, we kind of got oh, here's like a verse chord progression that we can maybe use. And let's try to put that with the chorus that Eva has mm. and, and whatever. Um, but it, again, it was, there were times in the practice space where there was like a lot of tension because someone felt this way about it. Someone felt this way. And, and it was, it was hard. It was just like, like a really tough nut to crack. Um, and finally, oh. what kind of like helped break it open um, was, so the producer we worked with on the album Young Enough was, um, his name was Joe Ciccarelli and he's like an incredible, um, producer and engineer who's worked with like everyone. He worked with like Elton John and U2 and, uh, you know, down mm -hmm. to our favorite, you know, indie pop bands, like the, like the Shins and the Strokes and the Killers and stuff like that. He's, he's done it all. He's just an incredible, incredible producer. Um, he came to New York. He uh, lives in LA and he came to New York for three days to do pre-production for, we had committed to working with him pre-production for the album. He was going to, we were going to play the songs for him and, you know, figure out what needs some reworking and what needs this, what needs that. And we went to our, like, this is like, you know, like world renowned producer. We went to our practice space in Bushwick in Brooklyn. That was like a concrete box that is like, it was disgusting. There was like mouse poop on the floor. It was like horrible. It was, I, I can't even tell you. We're not in there anymore. Thank God. But, and I remember just being so nervous to like, I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's going to come in this space and be like, 
I'm out. <laughs> like I'm out. And it turned into like this three day like boot camp where this all the songs we had just like totally changed and evolved and for the better. And he was just such an amazing he had such an amazing ear for for what a song could be. And I think we uh, after a few iterations of this song, I played it for him and he was like, I totally hear the potential and see what see what you can do. Maybe try this, try that, whatever. And finally, I kind of came to Eva and I was like, I feel like the only way forward with this song is if it we totally blow it up and we keep the parts that mm. we feel are catchy, the little hooks, even if it's like one line here and there, I'm at capacity. Uh, if, if it's just that. And like, let's just rebuild this song from scratch. And from there, kind of went home and, um, you know, I wrote a chorus melody that was like around that one hook that kind of tied it all together. And that was the, the didn't, 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 didn't. and we kept the, I'm at capacity. Um, and sent it around to the band and everyone was pretty into it. And then kind of was like, oh, what if we took, you know, I like the verse that you have, but what if we change it and put that chord progression that Spencer came up with in the demo a month ago? And, and you know, Eva, could you write some new lyrics to this part and stuff like that? And it was kind of like a Frankenstein process of putting this thing together. And, you know, while we were doing that, we were also using you know, we had always written on guitars and stuff like that and um, and drum, real drums and, and real bass and stuff like that. But for this song, it was programmed drums on a drum machine and it was synth bass and it was synth, you know, leads and pads that were replacing the guitars and it became this sort of, sort of like electronic-y sounding pop song. Um, and I remember like we emailed it to Joe and I was so nervous because I was like, he's going to think this is so stupid. This is like, what are we doing? This sounds terrible. And like, I made it in GarageBand. Like, this is this is a joke, right? Like, and he emailed back and he was just like, I absolutely, absolutely love this. Like, let's do it. Um, wow. And I, I know I've been rambling a little bit, but that's kind of like how that song evolved. And, you know, and then we got in the studio in L.A. and and really kind of made it come to life, you know. So, I mean, there's the the twists and the turns are fascinating. I mean, you basically, I mean, obviously you started with with on paper, you know, and and the iterations from this is this could be great to this, right? You know, has potential. Yeah, this, exactly. This sucks. This is there's this has no hope. It'll never see the light of day. All all of a sudden, you know, it could be great. So, I mean. Going back to, you know, when, when you first put, you know, put the melody down, did you, could you have ever predicted the final product? I mean, I guess at that point, you really, you know, is there a song when you're writing in the beginning, is there a song in your head or you're really just trying to get down, you know, a, a melody that you think is, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that I mean, could be with appealing. that one, it was like for a really long time, it was kind of hard to hear, like, where could this go? What is this in in context with what we already have on the album? And 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 that was like one of the last songs that we were really working on. You know, as far as like mm. that level of working on it, it was it was basically just like you know a nugget of an idea, and we had we wrote like twenty over twenty five songs for the album. 
to choose from. And a lot of them were pretty much what they were. And then there was this song capacity and it was like, you know, so, so for a long time, I, I don't know if I could say I really saw what it could be, but then once we kind of decided to like, let's just blow it up completely and see what happens and put the, the drum beat that you hear in the, in the song, um, which is, it all, I, can, I can talk about it, how we recorded it, but it was basically just like a drum machine loop. Um, oh. And then the melody and the chorus. And I kind of like, you know, I kind of have like my brain trust uh, of my, my fiance, Kate, and one of my best friends, Noah, and obviously along with the band that I'll kind of bounce things off them they have a great ear for music too. And I'll be like, is this good? Is this good? Is this like, is this just like nothing? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and I remember, you know, they were just like, this is, you're like, yeah, I think it's good. And then like an hour later texting being like, this has like been stuck in my head for the past hour and I can't get out. I'm like, okay, I think this is something. And I even found the email chain between the band being like, yes, I think this is it. I think this is it. Like, I like this. Um, right. And yeah, it's funny how a song can go from being the most frustrating to work on to the mm. most rewarding. And eventually I think it was the lead single off the album that we, we launched the whole thing with. So, um, and now mm. I think it serves as kind of like the foundation for where we want to go as a band and where we want to move more into like a pop world. Um, I think it really kind of showed that the best out of any of the songs we put on the album, which is just a crazy, yeah, it's crazy that it, it got there, you know? Right, right. I, I mean, what's fascinating to me about your process is with you and, and Eva, in terms of, you know, it's like, um, it reminds me of Elton John and, um, uh, right, who, who writes all the, yeah, he comes with the name, piano but, stuff and Elton John just sits down and, right. And does the lyrics. So it's, it's almost, I think, I, um, I, I'm blanking, but so he's got a partner who, who does all the, um, who does it? So he'll write the melodies, and and then Elton will take the melody and mm -hmm. he'll he'll put words to it. Um, is is that is that the process, or it's more kind of you know she'll is is there you know you you hand over a, a melody to her, or it's kind of just comes together bits um, and pieces. It, here it and depends there. on the song, really quick. So since Joe Joe worked with Elton John, he had these stories that just like were insane, but like. Um, he had one that like he was in the studio and, you know, I think it's uh, is Bernie. Is that his name? Bernie Topin? Yeah. Yeah. Bernie Topin. And he had written Bernie this, Topin. This, this song and Elton was like flipping through the, the song book that he had. And, you know, this looks interesting. And Bernie's like, yeah, see, see what you can come up with. And I'm going to go make a sandwich. Like, do you want anything? And he's like, oh, no, I'm good. Guy oh. makes a sandwich, comes back and Elton John singing and playing something. He's like, oh, I think I, I think I got it. And he's like, are you serious? Like it, five, five to 10 minutes or something. And he comes back and he starts playing Benny and the Jets with lyrics and everything. And, and wow. they're just like, oh my God. And Joe is just like mind blown. And that's like kind of how it happened. So that was really, yeah. a really cool story told. But um, I, I've, I've read about like us, uh, like Springsteen it's almost like sometimes it's, it's almost like a like a mm. like a lightning bolt hits right where you know though I think he I think he wrote Born to Run like in an afternoon you know a couple of hours sometimes I guess you know you could speak to that if if the stars align oh. right sometimes and you know everything is just going your way that and then that 
you know, I guess in any creative endeavor, you might have a dry month where exactly. you can't think of a damn thing, you know, and that, and, but, but in those moments, right. I mean, when, you know, whether it be capacity, when things kind of just come together, they really, you know, and if you get right, if you can do a handful of those, even in a career, you'll, you know, you right. know, you'll, and, you'll, you know, you'll do okay. I'm definitely in no way trying yeah. to compare our, songwriting abilities to, <laughs> to Springsteen and Elton John but there is something to there are songs in the album that you know there's a song called Under You on our album that um that I sat down at my computer with a guitar and it came out in 30 minutes the entire thing with melodies basically and you know sent it to Eva and she was like it was great I'm gonna write some lyrics and it was done it was easy um and you know the, the only thing to figure out wow. was how we wanted it to sound but the songwriting itself was done um and then for every song like that, there's a song that takes months or never gets finished or something like that. But you never know. Sometimes it does just strike and and it is a magical feeling. You're like, I have no idea where that came from. And maybe it's just already a song that I completely ripped off because that has happened before, too. And, you know, uh, but man, I think this is kind of cool. Um, so, so if you take capacity you know, now, you know, you've gotten through the process, you've recording it as an album um as part of an album does when you're when you're going to make it part of a set list for playing live does anything change in terms of the 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 you know the way you have composed it have do you do you change any of the elements of it for a live show yeah definitely that was that was one that while we were recording it we were thinking to ourselves like we're a four piece band and when we perform it's, it's drums, bass, two guitars and and Eva sings and we all sing backups and stuff like that. Like, how are we going to play this song that is like drums, bass, synth, bass, synth, chords, guitar, (laughs) this and that. And and we were, you know, um, but that's, that's one of the things I love to do most is, is kind of, you know, figure out ways to make our live set sound, you know, as good as we can possibly make it and, and arranging for live performances and stuff like that. And we got really creative, you know, Spencer, um, for a lot of like the, the synth stuff, instead of playing it on a keyboard, he found a pedal that manipulates his guitar sound to make it sound more like a synth. And so he would play it on guitar and it would sound like a synthesizer. Um, you know, Dan would play, the bass on the keyboard for the first half of the song. And then when the bridge really kicked in, he would switch to his electric bass and it gave it like a really big push of energy. And, and, you know, I would start the song. I have a, like an electronic drum pad to my left that can trigger, you know, audio samples. And so I would trigger the sound of the drum machine, which is the really sterile kind of at the beginning of the song, you hear it's like, you know, like really just like, it sounds like crap kind of on purpose. I would trigger that at the start of the song. And then once, you know, two measures pass, I would kick into a real drum groove. And, and so we, we tried to find ways to, you know, like, I think one of the biggest draws for our band is, is the energy that we exude when we play live. And, you know, on these songs that are a little more, you know, a little better produced and are a little tighter and are a little less organic sounding, you know, we really wanted to try to find a way to main, to, to, yeah, to maintain that that energy that we that we give out, and um, mm-hmm. it was a challenge. But I think you know it was 
really fun for us to figure out. It feels like kind of like a puzzle. And considering we had been touring on these really guitar and rock drum, you know, oriented songs for so long, it was like a really, really refreshing feeling changing things up and having keyboards on stage. And, you know, we switch stations uh, live and Spencer will go to the left and Dan to the right, whatever, and, and we'll play different instruments. And it feels, it, it's a really refreshing feeling. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fascinated by, you know, I've I've obviously been to a lot of concerts and you know yours yours in, included about the the way you know because it's really I mean you're putting on on a show and you know so much of the the live performance is beyond just playing the music like you mm. said it's it's theater in a way it's it's you know it's choreographed and and. You know, you need to get everything right, uh, you know, as capacity as part of like a set list. Um, I guess when you're when you're creating a, a set list for a show, you know, if you take, you know, take the song capacity, is it part of a, um, it, you know, when, when you're putting together the songs that are going to, you know, be be, you know, be put together for that, you know, that evening, is it? is there a, a method to the madness there? Do you, do you try to impart a, a theme or, um, you know, or is it, you know, more just kind of, you know, play, right. you know, I mean, play the best songs. Like we're an incredibly neurotic group of people and we have uh, the, the, the collective anxiety levels between the four of us are astronomical. So we, we spend a lot of time practicing before tours and coming up with set lists that we think will work and, pretend kind of not like you know pretend pretend we're playing in front of a live audience not to the point where we're like rocking out in the practice room like whatever but you know kind of yeah uh and so i mean a little bit i'll be honest <laughs> it's like, okay we're not, we're not <laughs> if people had to. Let it fine. if people had videotape of us practicing <laughs> right before a tour it would be uh pretty embarrassing but doing this for a, a concrete wall but um yeah i mean there are, there have been situations where we've prepared a set list that were kind of we okay. Here are the songs we're going to play every night, and here are the songs that we're going to sub out certain nights. And um, you know, we kind of have this like skeleton of a set list. And oh, our set is an hour and fifteen minutes this night. Oh, it's forty five minutes this night. We have to adjust. We kind of have that template going into a tour, but we, we've had situations where like the template does not work. Like the the flow does not work. The the song mm. we close on, it's like we didn't anticipate like the crowd crowd didn't react how we we anticipated and um and so it is it is like a delicate balancing act and i think like the more the longer your band is around hopefully the more songs you'll have that people really like love you know um and you know i never want to consider a song filler or anything like that we've never done that we always try to really build a set that has peaks and valleys and you know, takes you somewhere. And by the end, this is, you know, a huge release of, of emotion and energy and stuff like that. But um, yeah, mm. capacity was a funny one just because again, like if you listen to it in context of the album, it is the most different sounding song. And so finding a place for it in the set that felt natural um, was interesting, especially because so many of our fans like, look, look, we released that album young enough in 2019 and, and, uh, some people got it for sure. Like our fans, existing fans, they were like, this is great. And a lot of people, a lot, probably the majority were like, you know, I don't know how to feel about this. Like this sounds different, this whatever. 
but then you know days would go by sometimes weeks whatever and you notice the action on twitter people being like you know at first i wasn't sure but like i have not stopped listening it's like and and so we were trying to figure out like you know where do we put it next to a song that we released four years ago that's like a guitar rock track where do we put the song that is so electronic sounding and synth driven and um i'll be honest i'm not totally sure we (laughs) figured it out for good i think for a while we were closing with it uh and (laughs) some nights that would go really well some nights it, it, it felt whatever but um you know that's that's part of being in a band that wants to evolve and and change their sound and um for us personally, you know, that's what keeps it exciting and keeps us growing as songwriters and, you know, potentially aspiring producers one day, you know, I know we all want to do different things, but, but is that evolution and changing our sound and, and on the, from the fans perspective, I totally get why it takes time. And, um, but, you know, that's all, all my favorite bands, you know, change their sound as they went and this album was different from this and and which was different from the next and stuff like that um so i think mm. we're just constantly trying to to improve and evolve and hopefully people you know stick around <laughs> and, and... yeah i mean as as an artist i think that's yeah. that's kind of the name of the game you know you're you're constantly you know if if you if you had the same sound you know, for every album, I think you'd certainly lose people along the way. People would say, that's, I've heard this before. Okay, you know? that was nice, but, you know, it was, it was, I've heard this seven times, you know, the last seven albums were the same. So I think, you know, hopefully the fans will have some appreciation for, you know, they may not at first kind of love the new sound, but, you know, there's an appreciation there that you're not, you know, kind of, you're not mailing it in, right? right. You're not, you know, just you know, trying to make another, another easy hit, but, you know, at the same time, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're creating something, you know, totally, totally different and and unique. So, you know, uh, the, the the thing is like those albums that we released before, those will always be there, you know, and, and for people that are like, you know what, I, this just isn't for me, you know, I, I totally understand that. And those albums that they loved, you know, will always be there. And for the people that are, you know, down to come along for the ride. That's great. And we love our fans and have been super lucky in that regard. And uh, yeah, you just, you just got to stay true to yourself. And. Well, if you, if you, if you think about, I mean, it's just like, you know, I think about like the Beatles, if, you know, I think, I think between I want to hold mm. your hand and, you know, Sergeant Pepper, probably, you know, probably, you know, if, if people wanted them to stay true to, you right. know, um, love me do. And, and I want to hold your hand. You wouldn't have gotten, let it be. You wouldn't have gotten, Hey Jude, you wouldn't have gotten Sergeant Pepper. So you have to, and I think it's just kind of a natural progression as you know, you're writing as you get older, um, as you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a dad now, you know, your, your, your life is gonna, you, you really impacted, I think probably more than anything by your, by the things mm-hmm. in your life. Right. So, you know, I, I've heard interviews with, you know, with Bruce Springsteen and how, you know, other other people, how, you know, your your world around you is really what, you know, is really what makes the music. So I would imagine that, you know, your your songs, are, your your writing is going to be different than it was when you were, you know, 22 years old. And I think that's I think that's definitely, totally definitely. logical. And, and just, you know, and coupled with all of that, which is absolutely true, 
your musical tastes change and you know uh and the more people the more albums and music that you like that's currently being released the more you know there's more influences you draw from even if it's subconscious you know and and our band has spent so much time together over the past i mean nine years sure but but specifically three years we have toured so much and spent so much time in this you know in the same small van listening to the same music and have really developed sort of a oh. like collective taste in music that has absolutely you know uh yeah seeped into our songwriting and some of it is conscious some of it's not subconscious but um yeah and, and then right and then just what your life is like and what yeah. is happening around you and um oh. And for me, listening to all the the Raffi with my baby, I mean, uh, our next album is just going to be a children's album at this point. If, if it were up to me, I don't know. <laughs> I, it's all I listen to now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. I think I think Raffi is probably a billionaire at this point. So he, if, if you want to go in that business, baby beluga covers, probably not banana a bad phone. Idea. Let's just make it all happen, you know. Uh, but yeah. Wow. Wow. No, but I, I think that's natural. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it, it gets where creativity, you mm -hmm. know, it derives mm -hmm. from experiences. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I would imagine, uh, you know, speaking of that, I mean, what's, what's the future for Charlie Bliss? I know COVID kind of, you know, obvious mm -hmm. it interrupted everyone's life in a, in a million ways, but, you know, in terms of the band now going forward, you know, you haven't, been able to perform for a year what's you know what's what's the next step for you know, you know what's next in line for charlie oddly have been extremely productive um you know at, at first it was a little slow going um and obviously just people figuring out how to exist right now is yeah. it's just a lot in itself um <laughs> but we kind of figured out how to work remotely and you know because we had been together so much over the past three years i think some time apart was really helpful and healthy and um kind of allowed us to all really take a take a breath and just figure out what do we want to be doing moving forward i mean it's been so you know go 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 for so long that it was it was really nice to have that time to kind of reflect on what we've done and figure out what we want from whatever we do next and um you know the whole the whole live show thing who knows when that's going to resume there's there's a lot of speculation and um, you know, I think the smartest thing you can do is not expect anything. So on that front, who knows? But um, as far as writing and recording, um, we've been writing a lot and it's, it's super exciting and um, definitely diving even further into um, the pop world, I would say, while trying to, to maintain what mm. we love about writing songs and stuff like that. And um, we've been collaborating more um, with within our, our band and, and within and, and outside of our band with other people. And it's been really exciting and um, very, I've said exciting like six times, but very, very stoked. It is exciting. And, and I think for the, it is exciting really, for the first time, it feels like we are truly making the music that we really have always wanted to make. And, and it couldn't have happened without what we mm. have already done. And we're super, you know, it's weird when you release an album, like you're so attached to these songs, and then it comes out and it, for me, at least it kind of feels like this is just, 
it's just not mine anymore and I, I'm super proud of it but I I you know I don't listen mm -hmm. to our music I don't after it comes out it's just like this is just it's out you know it's it's just not and, and again it's like so I don't mean to say I'm not I, I'm super proud of everything we've done but um this feels like a really exciting kind of step for us and um we shall see you know if people thought the last album was a step outside the box for us <laughs> <laughs> Wait till they hear this. So, so, in terms of a release date for the for the album, any any um, is there any thought on that in terms of when this, there's a lot when to the figure out might, before then, might come but, out? Uh, you know, it's it's something we're right. we're working on. You know, so I wish I could say, but. Get some logistical, you know, you know, some logistical uh, things to figure in, out. So. I bet. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, we shall see. Right, right. Well, well, that that'll be that'll be exciting. Um, whenever, as the podcast continues, um, whenever I'll make you this deal, Sam. Whenever, whenever that album drops, we'll get let's get deal. the whole crew on the show. How about that? We'll get, we'll get, we we'll get the we'll get Charlie Bliss as a full band. Um, and if we can figure out how to do it, maybe, maybe we'll even do a, a performance if we can, you know? if we can get the technical arrangements together, we'll see if, see if we've come a long way with, with electronics. So maybe we can, we can get some stage Sounds like it or something would be possible. figure yeah, that one out for us. So. <laughs> I think so too. All right, Sam. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. If, if the listeners want to, uh, hear more about you and and listen to some Charlie Bliss um, uh, music. Maybe buy some merch. I don't know. Get some gear if if that's out there. Um, you know, we're on Spotify and all the all the streaming services and stuff like that. Just search Charlie Bliss, and uh, I think we're CharlieBliss.com, and there's merch on there and all that stuff. Yep, I just went to the site and it is CharlieBliss.com and stuff I should know offhand, but. Um, <laughs> And yeah, just uh, hopefully touring resumes sometime in the, the near future. And just if you if you like what you hear and come to a show, we'd love to meet you. I will let you know that I speak of the merch because I have a Charlie Bliss T-shirt wow. in my that is still with me. <laughs> of course, not that I would ever would have gotten rid of it, but it is it Beautiful. is worn on I, occasion. A fan it from day one. Thank occasion. you. So. It is a it is a prized possession. It's a prized possession, um, Beautiful. and uh, and it'll stay with me. It'll stay with me. Maybe let's, one day I'll get an autograph if I'm. Uh, let's you know, not get ahead of ourselves. If, we'll, if I'm, if, I'm, if I behave. So. <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, you thank you for taking the time. Uh, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, had had a real insight into the the craft and just how a song goes from thin air to you know to to being performed on a stage so uh really fascinating and thank you for having uh, me it was really fun forward to having you on again in the future thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed our interview with musician sam hendrix Deep Dives can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else 
you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Deep Dives.